Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Little driving on a Saturday night. Come walk me. So let me tell you, as I welcome you to the Tuesday edition of Drive, quite a few people have asked me, Pete, what's that music, that theme song, for your program. And I said, well, it's a one-hit wonder classic from the late 1970s. And it's by Sniff and the Tears, and it's called Driver's Seat. So there you go. I think it's a great song. Very, very bouncy. I saw the lead my panel operator just bouncing around as well to that track. It was recorded well before he was born, let me tell you. A big show coming up between now and six uh, here, Drive, with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Toolmart the complete tool centre where you get the right tool from the start. Rodney Rocketeed is going to join us uh, very shortly. Of course, Rocket coached the Sydney Swans for seven seasons. His first year, he took over from Ronald Dale Barassi, a big name at the SCG. And then Rodney Eade went there in 1996 and took the Sydney Swans in his first season to an AFL grand final. But they got beaten by the Wayne Carey-led North Melbourne by some 43 points. And he never quite got there again with Sydney. The following year, they slipped to sixth. Then they went back up to third, but never got back to an AFL grand final. So a talk to Rodney Eid about Sydney, that experience back in 1996. We'll also touch with Rodney about what's happening at Fremantle. I was talking to him off air earlier today, and he can't believe the exodus at Frio. Uh, Darcy Tucker has asked uh, today to be traded out, supposedly to North Melbourne, on the back end of Griffin Logue, on the back end of Rory Lobb. I feel sorry for Connor Blakely, who today was told that his contract would not be renewed many years ago. Uh, Connor Blakely was part of the Fremantle Dockers midfield. I've got a bit of a spot, soft spot for the Blakeleys because I know his dad very well, Mark, and... It's disappointing that Connor Blakely's career at the Fremantle Football Club has come to an end, even though he's basically occupied himself with Peel Thunder in recent seasons, hasn't been able to become a regular. So uh, bad luck there to Connor Blakely. And also Joel Weston has uh, been told today his contract won't be renewed. Saw Joel actually play for Peel Thunder in the first semi-final against Claremont uh, at the weekend. Of course, that semi-final, which uh, Claremont won very comprehensively. And they'll take on East Fremantle uh, this Sunday at East Fremantle Oval. And Billy Monaghan, the coach of East Fremantle, is going to join us a bit later on as well. But let's have a look at some of the AFL news that has transpired. And Gil McLaughlin has revealed today, the outgoing CEO of the AFL, that he's weighing up the idea of an NRL-style magic round for 2023. Now, McLaughlin says multiple states are vying to host an entire round of games in 2023, similar to that seen in Brisbane for the NRL. So they're looking at the NRL footprint and think to themselves, yeah, I reckon it could work in the AFL. Gellin, it'll work big time. If it works in the NRL, it's going to work 
in the AFL. Now, you've taken ideas from all these different sports, all these different codes, and brought them under the umbrella of the AFL. A couple of the ideas that you had in your time, like AFLX and whatever, didn't work. But the let me tell you, the magic round would work. It would start on Thursday night. There'd be two games back-to-back on a Friday, and then you play the other games right across Saturday and Sunday. It would work. And I know that Roger Cook, who's involved with the WA Tourism, he's the minister, is already saying, we're putting our hand up here in Perth to host the Magic Round. Now, all eight games will be played, well, they have been played at Suncorp Stadium over three days and has been immensely popular with fans and players when it comes to the NRL's Magic Round. Now, the idea, if implemented, would see the AFL season increase from 23 rounds to 24 with one bye for each team and every club still would host 11 home games. So here you go. Gillam McLaughlin, his thoughts on a potential magic round as early as next season. Yeah, it did. So, so it came as an idea. We, we work with the clubs about how they want the season set up. And this year, if you recall, do you remember we played a, they played at some internal practice matches and low key stuff. And then they played one proper hit out in venues with all the systems going and they just, Played it like a home and away game. They built it into each other and people got suspended. People got injured and it was like... So we had the, the CEOs and presidents on the back of that just before the, the opening week. And I said, well, if you're going to do it like that, why don't, you, why don't you play as a home and away game? And we'll just have a very limited pre-season. Um, so there was not a no. So the team have gone off and explored all of that. And now we've got multiple states interested in doing it and it got to the point where three states say, yeah, we'll do it. We'll move. We'd love to have all nine games in this market. All, you know, our, you know, the members in each state still get their 11 home games and it's an additional one and we can come together as an industry and for whether it's, you know, whether it's in whatever state would be, it would have a different, would it have a different logic? And um, yesterday we got a tick to go on and say, yeah, okay, now we can start drilling into the, you know, we brief the clubs where we're at and what it would mean in a marketing sense, a financial sense, what a logistical sense. And so now uh, we're working through that with the clubs and, you know, importantly, the footy departments also talked about the clubs there, you know, what it, what it might mean for members and others. And we'll see how we get to it, probably do it over the next two or three weeks, but it'd be a, be a big thing. School holidays, the right window for it? I think the, 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 what they've been notionally talking about is somewhere around, we get the season out of the blocks well and strong and maybe around sort of five-ish, um, second half of, of April, it's school holidays nationally, and people could set that up, go away with their families, and, and work around that sort of weekend if that if that was their inclination. Double headers, triple headers, triple headers is what was sort of in, in some venues. Yeah, I mean, you depending on where, but if you're in in um, in say South Australia, um, there's one venue really, and you'd have to really make it work. And that you know you'd have a carnival. Um, if you're in Sydney, there's a couple of venues. If you're in Perth, there's really one. So it depends on where. But, you know, I think wherever you are, there's contemplation of sort of triple headers. And next season, is that the likely outcome? That's what we're looking at, yeah. yeah a lot of work exciting. to do. I mean, my team have been sitting around doing not much, so they're <laughs> looking for stuff to do. So there you go. Gillam McLaughlin on Waitley this morning uh, in Melbourne regarding the magic round. Don't put it in Melbourne. You've got to either go to Perth, Adelaide, Sydney or Brisbane. That's where it needs to go. And the more I think about it, the more I think they'll take it away from an AFL state. There you go. There's my early prediction. I reckon it could go to Sydney because they need a bit of traction in Western Sydney or they might take it to Brisbane because they need a bit more traction 
with the Gold Coast. So if I was predicting a magic round for 2023, won't be in Melbourne. I think Perth would, would struggle together with Adelaide to get it. And I think for the promotion that had happened and the fact that you would have perceivably four days of AFL football, nine games staged over the four days, I think it will go to a non-AFL state. And I was putting uh, my two bobs worth. I reckon it will be Sydney or Brisbane next year. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Give us uh, a yell on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Uh, of course, Bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check out the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au or the Scarborough Toyota open line. Free to take your calls, 13 12 55. Went and saw Ben Dalgleish, the dealer principal at Scarborough Toyota today. He's on his way uh, as a guest of SEN to the AFL Grand Final on Thursday. So uh, have a great time, Benny. who's a North Melbourne supporter, but he's going to go there and enjoy the Grand Final. Let's have it's a beauty between Geelong and uh, also the Sydney Swans. The other thing regarding the Sydney Swans, big news today, and we can bring you this update, thanks to Tyre Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. The confirmation that Lance Franklin's deal is a big deal for the Sydney Swans. He's uh, extended his contract by another year, and uh, at the moment he's played 340 games, kicked 1,047 goals. He's put himself fifth on the AFL all-time list, and he'll be in his sixth grand final with the first two resulting in Hawthorne premierships. Franklin has played in two losing grand finals at the Swans, but that is about the only prize missing from his 158 games with Sydney. Here he is, just a snippet on why he recommitted to the Sydney Swans. Yeah, I just thought the, the time was right to, to come out. Obviously, we've got the grand final this week. There's going to be a lot of speculation. Oh, is he going to go on? I just wanted to make this about, about the boys. And this is a huge game for us. Um, me and Jacinta and my family, we came to the decision that we, we wanted to stay in Sydney. Um, it was a lot, obviously a, a long process to come to that decision. Um, I wasn't sure whether I was going to go on. Um, but I've come to the, the decision that I've still got the passion, love the game. Um, in, in, I've enjoyed every minute of sorry, mate. Enjoyed every minute of um, of this year. Um, we've got such an exciting group here, and um, to go on another year is just a no-brainer for me. Yeah, there you go, Lance Buddy Franklin committing to another year. They've sorted out the Sydney Swans, and uh, Buddy, the boy from Darren in Western Australia, that went to Perth, played Colts, and of course from there. He was plucked as a young boy, went to Hawthorne and the Sydney Swans. Let's go to the Scarborough Toyota open line. 13 12 55 is the number. Can we go to Melbourne? And Roy joins us. Hello, Roy. How are you going? Yeah, g'day, Pete. How are we? Good. Has the, right, buzz, has the buzz started about AFL Grand Final in Melbourne yet? Uh, it's, all, it's all over. It's like I've got people going around putting white and blue streamers everywhere. Yeah, and of course the Sydney crowd, the old uh, South Melbourne blood supporters, have they shown their colours yeah, apparently... yet? Yeah, of course. Uh, apparently, it's um, a first time, uh, first time since uh, they've all they, they've actually met in the grand final. It's fun. Yeah, it's, that's it's right. That's right. That's right. Mate, what do you want to have a chat about? Exhibition games, are you? Um, yeah, want to have a chat about exhibition games. I want to just a conversation start at, um, before Lisa gets on the open line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, with the with the uh, when they went to Shanghai, when they went to London, do you reckon there's going to be a chance that they go um, out out of Australia again, uh, or is COVID uh, or is the COVID um, mm. situation made that a bit harder for the AFL? I don't know what they're trying to get out of it, really. Uh, you know, they go to Shanghai to promote the game, and all the expats got there. They went to South Africa. All the expats went there. Um, I don't think it's not worth the money. It is a huge investment by the AFL to go to those sort of places. And in the end, can I say people can watch the AFL now? They don't need to go to those areas to promote it. If they get the television deal done, pay TV, AFL is shown in the United States and various other parts of the world, that's enough. Let's just develop our Indigenous football code here in Australia to make sure it can be better than it was the previous season, Roy. So I think that was an experiment that failed when they went to China and when they went to South Africa. If it was successful, they would have persevered with it. It cost them too much money and didn't get the return on investment that they were hoping for. And as I said, now with pay TV, uh, the grand final will be shown on various uh, cable networks right around the world. And I reckon that's the best advertisement overseas for AFL footy. Good on you, Roy. Thanks for the call, mate. And uh, we'll keep in touch uh, here on SEN with yourself. I know you're a great listener and we appreciate your uh, support. It's uh, 13 past five. We'll take a break. By the way, uh, Roy reckons that Tom Papley will kick the first goal. Jeremy Cameron, the Norm Smith, and the Cats by 19 points. If you've got a selection for the grand final, uh, send it through on the temperate bedshed. Text line 0487 736 736 13 past five. Tulma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Every now and then here on Drive with Peter Vlahos on SENWA, I love having a chat to this gentleman because he's such a learned gentleman about... Football generally right across uh, the country, whether it be VFL, AFL, WAFL. And, of course, he originated from Glenorchy in Tasmania. So he's got an opinion because Tasmania very much is headline news in the AFL. And it appears that the 19th team could be announced. We thought it might be announced at the end of August, but it could be announced maybe in coming months um, for maybe admission in 2027. I'll get this gentleman's thoughts on that right at the end of the chat but the reason I've got him on is back in 1996 and he coached the Sydney Swans for around seven years. But in his very first year at 1996, the Swans got to an AFL grand final, but unfortunately were beaten by the Kangaroos led by Wayne Carey in that year. We're talking about Rodney Ede and he joins us on the program now. Hi Rocket, how are you? Good, thanks Peter. How are you mate? All right? Yeah, yeah very well. Uh, you had a very good tenure there at Sydney. As we know, at that stage, only in the second decade of their existence, your fond memories of 96? Oh, very much so. Uh, obviously, very fond memories of being in Sydney as well. But, um, yeah, that year, I was, uh, everything sort of, we started off slowly, but everything sort of clicked into place for us after about round three or four. And, uh, yeah, it was a, an exciting year. And I think that preliminary final where Tony kicked the point after the siren, and Richard Collis has said it often as well, that... I think it was the time that, um, or the moment that uh, the Swans were accepted in the in the city as as Sydney's one of their own. So, you know, the stories we hear about, you know, the 
the pubs were full and people were watching it. They were turning off the rugby league to watch the Swans and... Uh, yeah, so so certainly fun times. Mm, and since then, of course, the club has gone from strength to strength. But saying that, you took over from an AFL or VFL legend in Ron Barassi. What was it like actually taking after Barass, who, as we know, is a living legend inside Australian rules football? Um, yeah, I suppose in some ways it might have been daunting, but I think I was just uh, excited about getting a job and enthusiastic to get started. But uh, Ron, I think... Um, when he took over, you know, the club was at the depths a bit, and I think he, you know, he gave the, the club a lot of credibility, um, a lot of uh, kudos in the city itself, um, but certainly in AFL circles. And, uh, and he did a fantastic job. And he stayed on, uh, was on the board when I was coaching. He was terrific support for me. So he was a terrific person, Ron. Um, and uh, I know I was thrilled to have him having him on board. But as you said, following. A living legend, wherever he walks into a room, he's got this aura and this presence. And, uh, um, no, it, no, it was fantastic to be involved with the Swans. And what about last weekend? What a classic. And the SCG has produced some uh, amazing matches because of whatever reason, the configuration of the ground, the ability to win the ball out of the middle and within a kick or two uh, find uh, the major opening. Uh, it not often is in a very exciting game at the SCG. How did you view the one against the Magpies last week? Yeah, it certainly was an exciting game. That um, the Swans were all over them, weren't they? The first half and probably should have been another three or four goals up at uh, half time with the number of shots that they missed and set shots. But uh, to the Pies credit, they came back extremely well. And uh, um, Heaney missing that goal right on the three quarter time siren, I thought might come back to haunt him, which it nearly did. Um, but uh, you have to give full credit to the Pies to be able to fight back like they did. I think. Sydney went into defence mode a bit and tried to save the game. I think it's proven over a long period of time. You go and try and save games and uh, you end up getting scored against. So, but anyway, they hung on and uh, uh, makes for an exciting grand final this week. Was that a Tom Papley push? Would you have awarded the free kick in the end? He kicked the goal. Well, that was a contentious uh, issue, a, a non-decision yeah. uh, late in the game. I think it was a push. Um, I think, I don't know, I haven't had to have a look at the game closely, but I wonder whether the umpire was a bit blindsided by it. Couldn't quite get a great view of it. Um, but uh, they've certainly let a lot of that go this year and without any notice to supporters or media that uh, they're modifying the rules. So, which is typical of the AFL. They don't let anyone know what's going on. But... Uh, yeah, I think he got away with one then, Tom, that's for sure. Yeah, certainly going to be one of the key players for Sydney this week. How do you view the grand final against the Cats, who did it quite easily on Friday night against the Lions? Yeah, I think the lead-in suits, uh, suits Geelong. I think they were able to get some good game time and played well against Brisbane. They had a tough one against Collingwood as well. But I think, uh, and then be able to rest some older players towards uh, the end of the game, I think they're cherry ripe. I think they'd have to be favourites. Um, but Sydney beat them early in the year and uh, they've only played each other once. But um, I think if a team's going to worry Geelong, it'll be Sydney. Um, Sydney's defence is quite good. They love marking the ball, but I imagine Sydney will do things differently and move the ball, uh, use the angles and uh, hit the short passes a bit to try and keep them uh, um, keep them on their toes. But um, I think Geelong, for me, will be favourites. Um, I'll be barracking for Sydney, but uh, um, hopefully they can get up. But uh, maybe um, I think the Cats might be in a close one. 
Yeah, you talked about managing players. Uh, Chris Scott's done it pretty well with Geelong this season, hasn't he? And they really haven't missed a beat. And how important, and of course, you've been involved with Sydney, Western Bulldogs, Gold Coast as a coach, is to try and manage your most important players. Uh, and I think, as I mentioned, the Cats coach seems to have done it pretty well this season. Yeah, he has. I think, you know, uh, the first time against Geelong, the Dangerfield and Selwood starting on the bench and managing their game time, uh, Dangerfield a bit more game time uh, on the weekend and he had those few games that he's missed as well. So I think they'll be cheery up. I, I don't think he'll be saving any, any of them this week. I think uh, Dangerfield will be red hot to go from the start. So um, uh, I reckon Mills might pick him up early. But yeah, he has managed them well. Um, but uh, and we know that it's a funny game where we can get injuries early or concussions can change can change it uh, quickly. So um, I think, as I said, Sydney are, uh, deserve to be there. I think I think they've proved they're at least in the top two teams this year. And I think uh, Geelong wouldn't want to be off queue at all because uh, the, the Swans can score heavily and pretty mm. quickly. Of course, today came the announcement that Lance Buddy Franklin's got another one-year extension. It does come on grand final week. Uh, does that do anything for the morale of the football club? Oh, I think it'd be a positive. Um, not many people were talking about it of late, which is probably a good thing. But I think the fact that he's announced that uh, it'll give the players a bit of boot. You can see he's pretty popular um, and uh, takes any any discussion of that out of the, yeah, the equation. So it's just that 1%. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big deal, but it's... It, no, it's certainly, it's certainly more of a positive than a negative, that's for sure. Yeah, I thought he struggled last week, uh, Rocket, uh, against Collingwood. How much of a, a bonus is he or how much of a hindrance is he at 35 years of age? No, he can't really do the things uh, buddy-like that we've come to expect over the years. Um, yeah, I thought he struggled first one. I was, I was pretty impressed with his first half last week. I think he... I think Collingwood got their matchups wrong, and uh, I think he you know, kicked two goals, one, and I thought he was contesting extremely well. I, I, I think you're right in many ways. Champions get uh, create uh, their own pressure and uh, and victim of their own standards, and I think at 35 he's not going to be what he was. But you certainly leave him alone and get the wrong matchup, he can cause some havoc. Um, he didn't do a lot in the second half because Darcy Moore went on to him, took a good mark in the last last bit. Um, but he's still a dangerous player and he takes a good player to play on him. And so I think it's a worthwhile signing. I never never thought he'd leave to another club. And uh, so I think if they manage him well next year and get, you know, you spoke about managing Dangerfield and that, if he, he'll get a dozen 14 games next year, I think, um, you know, I think he'll be a positive for them. A mm, couple of final questions. Firstly, about Fremantle. Are you surprised by the players that uh, are at the exit gate for the Dockers after what was a pretty successful season? I am. I'm extremely surprised. So I don't know. You'll, you'll probably know, well, the West Australian people will probably mm. know more than we have over the East Coast here about why, but it seems strange that, They've really improved, uh, close to finishing top four at the end of the home and away. Young team, you think they're going to improve again, that uh, players want to leave. Um, I know some of the players, probably the club, probably not uh, too fussed about, but the fact that there's five or six uh, is very surprising. So, um, yeah, so uh, 
Is there any word on that, Peter, why that why that's happening? I think a lot had to be cleared because of the uh, pending Luke Jackson arrival. They need right, to clear okay. the desk. Yeah. But also, there is one of the managers, Colin Young, who manages a number of the players that want out, you know, Acres, Lobb, uh, just to name a couple. And I believe that Colin's had a bit of a, a conflict with the Fremantle Footy Club. Uh, and I'm just right, wondering okay. whether that's got anything to do with it. But we'll have to wait and see. Finally, uh, Tasmania. Uh, they're now saying maybe 2027, the government's committing a certain amount of money towards this, what's going to be a pretty boutique stadium there. Uh, your thoughts on the progression of it? Because we thought by now there would have been a decision. Yes, I think uh, some of the presidents, I don't, you know, it, it's, you know, it's quite annoying what some of the presidents want to put up as a negative and don't want the, uh, no, they don't want Tassie to come in. And um, now the government has stumped up even more money now than what they originally did, and it's for 12 years, not for 10. Um, we're going to put 75 million towards a, a stadium. So I think um, I think they've met a lot of criteria. I think it's vital for all parties. I think AFL itself, if it wants to be a truly national comp, but also for Tassie footy. I, I'm reading between the lines. I think McLaughlin wants it in to leave a legacy. It'll get done. Uh, just a matter now of all the politics and whether the federal government put money into the stadium and etc, etc. So um, I, I think it'll happen. I think it'll be great, uh, as they're saying, for 2027. I mean, it's going to take quite a few years to get the, the rules and regulations as far as recruiting in board, but also to set the development plans and programs for, you know, for Tassie footy for when it does actually come in. But uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain it'll get in and I think it'll be great for footy. Yeah, good stuff, Rocket. Thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, and your final selection for the grand final, uh, you're thinking maybe Geelong, but your heart says Sydney. What sort of game are we likely to see? And maybe a margin and a winner for our listeners this afternoon. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm leaning towards Geelong. My heart, as you say, is Sydney. Um, I think it'll be under two goals. I think the game will be pretty intense game. I think there'll be a lot of pressure as we come to expect. I don't think it'll be a blowout either way. I think at times uh, grand finals can be that. Um, a, you're looking for a Norm Smith medalist? Yeah, who are you throwing uh, up? Um, well, I think either Cal Mills is the best chance from Sydney and I think Dangerfield from Geelong uh, be the be the two picks for me, one for me, the team. And uh, uh, But I think if Sydney can... Hold. I know they've got some good smalls, but they can hold Cameron and um, Hawkins. Uh, it certainly gives them a good chance of winning. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Love it. Okay, thanks for joining us, uh, Rocket. Enjoy grand thanks. final week there in Melbourne and the weekend. It's always a special place to be. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Peter. All the best, mate. Yeah, lovely Ede, who took uh, the Sydney Swans to the 1996 uh, AFL grand final but we're beaten by North Melbourne by 43 points. Great to have a chat to Rocket as well. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, where you always get the right tool from the start. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWI. With Peter Vlahos. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this Tuesday. And I'm really looking forward to actually heading down to East Romano We'll have them down there for a fair stretch of time. Uh, and, of course, on Sunday, it will house the WAFL preliminary final. And, of course, the winner will take on West Perth in the WAFL grand final the following Saturday. Joining us is the man that's turned the fortunes around at uh, Shark Park. 
at the home of the Sharks in their coach, Bill Monaghan. Bill, thanks for your time. No worries, Peter. Always good to speak to you. Yeah, likewise. No doubt disappointed you couldn't take the shortcut through to the big season finale. Yeah, would have been nice. Um, played really well in the first week of finals against Claremont. Struggled a bit early against West Perth. They jumped us. Their pressure was really good. Um, you know, we didn't really handle that great in the first quarter, but we, we fought hard and, you know, unfortunately, whilst we closed in just after three-quarter time, we weren't able to take our chances and, and we had a... a a fairly disappointing loss in the end. Yeah, so, was, look, really looking forward to this week, though. It was only 20 points saying that, you know, West Perth got off to a fast start and they dominated the clearances from all reports, uh, kicked the opening couple of goals. But in the end, when you look at the scoreline, 12-9 to 8-13, the same number of scoring opportunities. So I'd say that not much separated those two sides. And you have been the two benchmark teams in the competition this season. Yeah, look, we did get belted around stoppages, in, especially in the first half and contested ball. So we were able to address that at half time. And I think it was 12 scoring shots to six after uh, the main break. So look, we did enough to, to put ourselves in a, in a position to win. But, you know, we were disappointing in certain aspects of the game. And, and we're going to really need to be on our, our job this week against the fired up Claremont side. Yeah, they were fired up. I actually broadcast that game. I was down there at uh, known these days as a Revo Fitness Stadium, formerly Claremont Oval. They were very good against Peel. And all their name players came together, the likes of the Rogers and the Boltons and others. And, of course, their small brigade up uh, in the attacking 50 all kicked multiple goals, led by Manuel with five. And that's something that you need to be on guard with defensively this week. Oh, exactly right. Look, they've got a quality midfield. They've got lots of runners off half back, um, and then and you're absolutely right about their small forwards. Their their forward pressure was fantastic on the weekend. You know, a couple of young key forwards who presented hard at the footy, and and then you know the likes of England and Spivey, along with Smallwood. You know, that they were buzzing around in the forward half. So look, um, we we know that Claremont at their very best are going to be hard to beat, and. And whilst we've got over them the last couple of times, um, I'm sure that they'll be trying to bring the, the heat like they did on the weekend. And it's going to be a greater challenge than it probably has, and especially in the um, qualifying final. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. It should be a great game on Sunday. So what do you need to do better from last week to make sure that you can have another crack at West Perth the following week? Yeah, we just probably struggled a little bit maintaining possession of the ball. Um, it's one of our great strengths. And I guess all sides are probably putting a little bit of work into how to slow us down when we happen to get the ball. But we just, whilst West Perth's pressure was very good and, and we struggled to handle that at times, we, we were our own worst enemy. We fumbled a bit around congestion. Um, we missed, you know, seven or eight um, kicks coming out of the back half that, you know, caused us to be under pressure that we didn't need to be under. So um, that's credit to West Perth and, and something that we need to get better at. And, and you know, for there was a lot spoken before our first final that we hadn't had much finals experience and and maybe that, that you know, relatively easy win in the first final, you know, we were a little bit off our game and, and weren't expecting what West Perth bought. So, you know, it's great learning for our guys. We earned a second chance and, and we'll cash in on that this week and hopefully um, get another shot at West Perth. Uh, of course, I mentioned in the intro, I haven't been to East from Oval for a considerable period of time. But saying that, 
a lot of your players haven't experienced much football in Eastern Mount Oval as well. What's the, the ground like? What are the conditions like? I know you've been training there, but a match situation is uh, completely different. Yeah, look, it's in pretty good nick. I, I think we've had a fair bit of rain and a fair few of the ovals are a bit chopped up. Um, we were lucky to play at the Wacker, which was pristine. I think out at Lathlane Park, it's pristine. You know, even journal up the other day, we're struggling a little bit in, in patches. So our ovals handled the winter fairly well because there hasn't been constant games there. Um, it's not in it's not in 100% smicko um, condition, but it's in, it's good enough and you know, we're looking forward to having a run out there this weekend. Okay, no doubt players that performed well for you last week, the likes of Milan Murdoch and, you know, Tom Bennett. Do you need to call on those sort of players again this week? Oh, look, what we've been very good at um, all year is having a really even spread. You know, I thought Jackson McDonald really stood up. He's been in the side for a while and, and he was probably close to our best on the weekend um, when a couple of other mids were probably slightly down. Um, we struggled a little bit up forward, but like you mentioned earlier, we, we had enough shots on goal. We just couldn't convert. So um, it's about spreading the load and, and Milan and, and Benno in particular have been fantastic. Baskerville, you know, jumping early down back. Um, you know, we've got a really balanced side and, and we expect them all to come out and, and put their very best forward this week. Do you expect any changes from the side that was beaten last week for the game on Sunday? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. We we push our um, training schedule back a day for a Sunday game, so we did recovery Sunday morning. We'll do our our recovery weights, running, um, and education tonight, um, and then have our main session tomorrow night. So um, generally by Tuesday, we're we're pretty certain of how things are going to look, but that's um, well, probably Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, there's a couple of guys. Uh, we need to work out whether we're going to bring in another tall. Um, we need to work out, you know, if we've got the, the matchups right against Claremont. Um, so, you know, there's four or five guys who are in line, but until we get through our main session and, and get through selection, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a guess at this stage. We know that forwards and key forwards are important. And he's been up and down. He's kicked bags and he's done well at times. But there's some weeks where he hasn't been able to hit the scoreboard. How important is Jonathan Marsh on Sunday? Yeah, the first thing to realise is that, you know, we, we probably judge Jono fairly harshly because he's such a, a big character as well as a big person. Um, and, you know, it's easy to look in the, the goal column. And whilst I was... You know, disappointed he couldn't hit the scoreboard the other day. I think he had five um, score assists. Um, he laid a few tackles. We we do our own pressure rating based on what they do in the AFL, and he was second or third in our forward group for for pressure acts. So um, sometimes it's it's easy to look at goals and say Jono was a little bit off. Um, we'd love him to kick five, six, seven every week, but sometimes it's about contributing and, and playing a, a role slightly different. So some weeks he gets up the ground a bit um, and high number inside 50s and uses his booming kick. So um, you know, he'll probably spend a bit more time deep this week and, and hopefully he'll get on the end of a few and kick a couple. For those people that don't know a lot about the East Romano Footy Club, but remember the Lester Smith name, of course, Ryan Lester Smith is there. Is that Neil's son? Perhaps you can give us a bit of a uh, a look back at uh, Ryan Lester Smith and how he's connected to what is a very famous name with the Eastermantle Footy Club over the years. Yeah, he's son of Neil. Um, 
and and nephew of Rod, so two you know pretty big figures in the East Fremantle Football Club, um, both you know at state league level and and Rod at AFL level or BFL level as well. So um, Ryan's had you know he he's a he's a really interesting character. He's a little taller than people give him. He he pushes out about one ninety. Um, centimetres. So if if you know Neil, who's a little short fella, um, I'm not sure where he gets his height from. Rod's, Rod, he's about the same size as, as Rod. Oh, so, that's a good height. Um, yeah, so, and he's been over the years, he's played a multiple um, you know, multiple roles. He was leading goal kicker for a year or two. He's played as a rebounding half back. We've mainly used him as a, a winger and since we've lost playing Bokest, he's gone into the middle and and uses his speed and agility to get away from congestion. So he's a really important um, player in our structure, and he probably kicks the ball as well as anyone else playing waffle footy. Good stuff. Thanks for that. For those people uh, wondering, uh, where is that connection, Lester Smith? Good on you, Bill. Thanks for joining us. Good luck for the big one on Sunday. Looking forward to calling it. It should be a great game. No worries. Hope you and many get down there from Antelope for what should be a cracking game. Good stuff. Uh, thanks very much uh, to Billy Monaghan, the coach of the East Fremantle Footy Club. Toolmar, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. There you go. Uh, Luke Jackson in Perth, and he'll stay here now. <laughs> he won't be going back to Melbourne, you think? The trade period starts on October the 3rd. We'll have the latest on that, by the way, when Kim Hagdorn joins us uh, on Thursday. Even though it's a public holiday, drive will uh, happen between 5 and 6 on Thursday, and Haggers will be here. Uh, just on the SMS at 0487736736, Hi, Peter. Haggers will find out what's going down at Frio. Don't blame the players who won out from the club when they're not getting a game. Connor Blakely wasted four years being loyal, and now he's shown the door. Good on you, Lise, who's uh, sent that uh, text through. Yeah, I feel for Connor Blakely. As I said, I know his dad very well. Mark, who's a good fella, and uh, he'd be disappointed. Let's hope uh, he gets a lifeline somewhere. We'll have to wait and see. By the way, uh, double demerits apply from midnight tomorrow night. In fact, midnight Thursday night until midnight Monday for a drink or drug driving, not wearing seatbelt or running a red light. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. Just repeating, double demerits from midnight Thursday until midnight Monday. Also for speeding or using a mobile phone or radar detector while driving, as I mentioned, uh, this is well worth taking on board. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. All right, uh, before I go, just a couple of little bits and pieces that developed today. Uh, Simon Goodwin, the coach of the Melbourne Footy Club last night on AFL 360, was asked about possibly uh, securing Brody Grundy. This is what he had to say. We wouldn't have had these discussions if we didn't think it would work. So we've got some planning in and around that. We've spent some time analysing how that would look within our game system and our, and our style. Um, you know, we think it works for us as a, as a team. So, um, you know, we'll go all out to fill that void that, you know, Luke Jackson's, you know, going mm. to lose for us. Um, and Brody's one of those people that we're looking at. And, of course, Gillan McLaughlin spoke to uh, Jared Waitley in Melbourne today on SEN in Melbourne, 11-16.
and he spoke about a, a number of topics, including, of course, Patrick Cripps winning the Brownlow medal and the fact that he felt he shouldn't have been entitled to that because he should have been rubbed out for that incident in round 21. He's an incredibly worthy Brownlow medal winner. Anything related to that appeal process is separate and in no way related to his worthiness as a Brownlow medal winner. You know what I thought of the decision? I thought it was confusing at best. That's a, a, a comment on the appeals board's decision, and that decision, nothing to do with Patrick Cripps. He's entirely eligible. He was cleared by the appeals board, and I think that he was a he's a fabulous footballer, person, and an incredibly worthy Brownlow Yeah, winner. I reckon you're backtracking a bit there, Gil. I really do believe you're backtracking a bit. You're very, very strong when that was uh, happening. Okay, and just another note here, Sean Higgins has called time in his AFL career after 260 games across three clubs. So we wish him uh, a happy retirement. He played with the Bulldogs, of course, the Kangaroos, and Geelong. We'll see you tomorrow from five.